Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to Messy Marriages, sharing stories of messy moments in marriages and how we make the most of our mistakes. We will undress the truth about sex, intimacy, and lifelong love. What are the concerns and questions most couples have in marriage and often go unspoken until now? Host Mark Lucas brings wisdom, authenticity, and practical advice to even the toughest marriage topics. Welcome to Messy Marriages. Mark Lucas here, Faith Talk 1360. And also listening in, the beautiful podcast world, what a joy it is for me week in and week out to have these conversations with you about marriage. I am honored to be able to come into this space with you and to navigate your marriage, to navigate my marriage. I've been so encouraged recently and really throughout the journey of Messy Marriages. Thank you so much for the people listening in right now. Thank you for those that are subscribed to the podcast, uh, the messages that I get. It is overwhelming and really means a lot to me to know that this has been a blessing to you and a blessing to your marriage. And that's my heart. And that's my prayer. Because at the end of the day, we are all a little bit messy. That's the reality. Just actually this morning, I have become obsessed. My wife would say the word as well, and I'm going to say it, obsessed with pickleball. And this morning I was playing pickleball 5.30 a.m. out on the courts and my partner that I play with, Sean, each and every time that we go out and we play, we're obviously progressively getting better, but we're playing doubles, him and I, and I tend to hold the paddle. Pickleball racket is called a paddle. I hold the paddle like I hold a ping pong paddle, and I have my index finger that's on the back side of the paddle. Well, I went for a backhand, and my partner, Sean, went for a forehand, his paddle this morning crushed my fingernail. It crushed my fingernail. So even right now, as I look down, progressively larger and larger, the black and blue underneath my nail is growing as we speak. And the reality is, is that we all have in our life of marriage, we have these wounds, we have these cuts, we have these bruises. And at the end of the day, one thing that I've realized is this. If we don't really have conversations with our spouse and communicate the wounds that we have inside of us, I'm talking about a physical wound with my finger, but now we're going to transition and really take that visual and say, okay, what are the wounds that we have, emotional wounds? Because they can be just like physical wounds. If I didn't really do anything to really pay attention to the physical wound on my finger, yeah, it's just a busted up finger that's going to get black and gross and the nail's going to fall off. So it's probably not a lot that I have to do. But let's say that I had a broken arm or let's say that I had something that was more serious. If I didn't really take attention to that and bring it to a doctor, there would be long-term consequences that would be negative in my life for that. And we look at the emotional wounds. We have to know that we've got to care 
for the emotional wounds. We've got to have conversations and really reflect what are these wounds and how have they hurt me? How are they bringing up anger in my life? How are they bringing up um, a lack of patience in my life? How are they really shaping me in a negative way to not really want to lean in and trust my spouse? We've got to identify and really hold up a mirror in front of ourselves. I know a lot of us, we just don't even like mirrors. But the reality is, is we've got to hold up a mirror and we've got to begin to really ask ourselves, okay, starting with really how we grew up and the nature nurture of the environment we were raised in, all through relationships that we had before we met our spouse, and then really now is really leaning into the relationship that we have with our spouse in our marriage. We can't just push wounds under the rug and just pretend that everything's going to be okay. Because what happens is, is those fester, and they fester, and they turn into resentment and bitterness and anger, and most importantly, which we have to be aware of, separation, where we feel more and more distance, less and less intimacy with our spouse. And intimacy is not just physical, it's intimacy emotionally. It's intimacy intellectually. It's intimacy experientially, things that we get to do together, experience great moments together. We just feel disconnected. And we've got to address these wounds. We've got to address if there's unforgiveness, we've got to address it. We've got to have the conversations first and foremost with God and really pray over how we've been wounded really go into God's word and say, okay, here's the emotion that I'm feeling. I struggle with anger quite a bit in my life. And what I do every single morning is I've got this small little sign that sits inside my home office. And it says, emotions are like waves. We get to choose which ones we ride. And then in the middle, it's got this emotional wheel. And it's got emotional wheels, happy, sad, all across. And yet, underneath happy, there's 15 emotions that are connected to different forms of happiness. Underneath anger, there's 15 emotions. And it really forces me to process, what am I feeling? Where am I right now emotionally? And one of the things that's been so important for my wife and I to be able to do with each other is to be able to know that we've got to process and communicate what we're feeling and what we're going through with each other. It's so important for us to be able to do that. We find the right time to do that and the right space to do that. I don't just continually bring that into our marriage whenever I feel it. If she's on a work call or she's running through her day, No, we have a time where we both know that we can bring hurts. We can bring things that are emotional baggage, more or less, into a conversation and say, you know what, this is how I felt this week when you did this. And this is why I felt hurt. This is why I felt rejected. This is why I felt like you didn't truly respect me. This is why I felt like you really weren't loving in this moment. 
And I can't tell you how important this is, guys. For us to be able to navigate our marriage, we've got to have short accounts in really expressing our emotions. Because as we do this consistently, the beauty of it is this, is that we begin to fight for intimacy and oneness and the partnership that God wants for a husband and for a wife. So continue to lean into processing at least once a week. Here's really some moments that I want to share with you. And you share these moments when you guys both are in a good mood. It might be at the end of the week where it's a Sunday. Maybe you're really relaxed. Maybe you've had some downtime. And you just create some safe space for you to be able to have thick skin and to be able to hear from your spouse. Here are some things that really were a little bit unsettling this week. Here's maybe one thing or two things or whatever it is. But again, if we just continually just sweep these things under the rug, then just like my gross fingernail right now, it's just going to fester and get ugly and grotesque, and it's going to cause, unfortunately, division and separation with you and your spouse. So this is something that has been so vitally important for us because forgiveness, let's just talk about forgiveness for a moment, okay? Biblical forgiveness means you release your spouse from a debt that they owe you. And it's so hard for us sometimes to say those words out loud, but so often we have a propensity and a tendency to hold on to all the offenses that have been accrued over even maybe the lifetime of our marriage that our spouse has committed. That is so toxic and so unhealthy in our marriages. We cannot keep a scorecard. It will only allow Satan and the enemy to divide us. At the end of the day, guys, we have to remember that the goal of marriage, the goal, is oneness. And any and all things that separate us from being drawn together as one partnership, we've got to have an awareness and we've got to fight against those things. And forgiveness is a large tool that Satan uses all the time, a lack of forgiveness to divide couples. Forgiveness is not contingent on how you feel about your spouse. There have been many times for both Tammy and I, we haven't felt like forgiving each other. But as we ask for forgiveness and we share that we have wronged the other person. And we have gone to God and done the same thing and confessed that and shared that before God and before your spouse. Even when you don't feel like it, which most of the time you probably don't feel like it. Forgiveness is not contingent on how we feel. It is a choice that we make to no longer blame our spouse for an offense. There's many passages in God's Word that talk about this, but one that I really love to go to is 1 Corinthians 13.5. Great details. It says this, 
In biblical love, it keeps no record of wrongs. I remember the first time at a wedding, because they typically go to the love chapter, which is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. And it goes through the whole list. And then it gets to this one, that love keeps no record of wrongs. And I remember hearing that. I was like, ah, gosh, I wish that wasn't in there. Because that is just, I want to hold, I want leverage. I want to hold on to and use this in the right moment to be able to throw a zinger back. Well, remember when you did bop, 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 and then you did bop, 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 bop. And that's just the tendency that we all have, right? But it's not right. And we've got to work on that. We've got to ask God to help us with this. Because I've said it once and I'll say it again. A great marriage doesn't score keep. We don't keep record of the wrongs. We just don't. Biblical love doesn't justify wrong, nor does it ignore wrong, excuse it, or pretend it doesn't exist. All of those types of responses to wrongdoing would lead to enablement. Rather, biblical love, listen to this, acknowledges and addresses the wrong and then forgives and releases it. This acknowledging the wrong but then forgiving and releasing it is so important. It's so important. And we've got to walk that out each and every day. Because on some level, could be very minuscule, very small, but on some level, probably every day, to be honest, there's some type of prickliness or some type of offense that I unintentionally even cause upon Tammy. That's just the reality. Because here's a Captain Obvious statement. I'm selfish. You're selfish. And there's at some moment throughout my day where my selfishness gets in the way of loving her. My selfishness gets in the way of serving her. My selfishness gets in the way of showing her respect. It's just going to happen to all of us. And yet in the midst of that, knowing that those offenses with the accumulation of what happens over the course of just even one week, imagine the course of your entire marriage, however long you've been married. Think about how heavy that is. Think about the weight that that is. If you don't communicate and really acknowledge the wrong, And then really process the forgiveness and release it. We've got to take those two most important steps. Acknowledge the wrong and then forgive and release it. It is so important that we do it. It really is. Because here's the thing when I talk about resolving anger. The reality is is that there are these moments that we can kind of turn towards, and we need to, that really talk about when Paul would say in Ephesians, do not let the sun 
go down on your anger. And at the end of the day, you think to yourself, okay, gosh, that's really hard, Paul. You mean just one literal day? One day I've got to resolve when I'm feeling and just the tension and the friction and the prickliness that I have towards my spouse. One day I've got to resolve that. That seems really difficult some days. And yet Paul would write this. And yet Paul would really encourage us and even give us a strong mandate to say, okay, if you can do it in one day, one literal 24-hour day, do it. Work hard to make it happen. But there are going to be days that it might take a little bit of time. It's not going to happen in one day. And that's okay. Because even Paul there in the context of that word day, he's not using a literal day. But what he is saying in that passage is this, in a very, very short season, be able to share the wrong and then for you to be able to forgive your spouse and then release it. It's so important because if we don't do this, later in the chapter it goes on that we actually give the devil a foothold in our life if we hold on to anger. And again, at one time when I was way younger, I used to do a lot of rock climbing. And when you think about a foothold, like one of the most challenging climbs that I ever did at Camelback Mountain here, if you're in Arizona, Camelback Mountain is one of our most iconic mountains here. I scaled, it was a 5'9 climb. I believe it was 5'9. So my memory serves me correctly, a 5'9. So I'm almost straight up vertical climbing this smooth rock of Camelback Mountain. And every single small foothold was enough to hold my very weight. And yet why would I give Satan, why would you give Satan a foothold in your life? The ability to control you, it's what that imagery is there. We've got to deal with anger. We've got to resolve it. We've got to forgive and release. It's so vitally important. So in the resolving anger conversation that we're having now, for us personally, here's some things that have helped me continually navigate because I know I'm going to I know I'm going to give offenses and I'm going to make my wife to some degree prickly throughout the week. So, to combat that, one thing that I work hard on, okay, is to try to find a way that's genuine, a way sometimes with words, sometimes with actions for me every day to say or do something that expresses the value of what my wife means to me, her value that she is in my life. Could be a note, could be an unexpected phone call or a text, could be a hug that we give. And again, we, for the most part, are good at this when it comes to an anniversary, a birthday, or Valentine's Day. But oftentimes, if we're honest with ourselves, and I know I'm honest with myself on this show, 
we oftentimes neglect the small, consistent ways of expressing the value that our spouse holds to us and what they mean to us. Another thing that's really good for us to walk out, this is the practical and the tactical as we finish out this conversation today. Pray daily for your spouse. What does it look like to pray daily for your spouse? One of the things that on a recent radio conversation that Rachel shared with me, she was a recent guest, is habit stacking. So she shared just different ways that she incorporates prayer into her life. So she said, okay, Mark, we all have daily chores. What would it look like for us in one of those daily chores to pray for our spouse? And to really find that chore that will really allow us during this time of doing this chore to stack in prayer. It's really, really, really important. Really important for us to do. So find even a chore that you have that you do every single day that can really become a time while you're doing this chore to really pray for your spouse. Could be any chore. It's always nice when it actually ties back to maybe like a significance or a meaning that ties into your relationship with your spouse. But it doesn't even have to be that. One of the things that I shared that I'm doing with my kids right now is when I'm scooping the kitty cat litter every single morning, my least favorite chore on God's green earth, scooping kitty cat litter. Both my cats are seniors, and oh boy, do they pee a lot. So I'm scooping these large urine clumps of kitty cat litter. And as I do it now, I'm praying. And as I'm pulling out the pee and the poop and the nonsense, I'm asking God to really help my kids filter out as I'm filtering out when I'm scooping all the bad things that they might face throughout their day and to give them an awareness and a filter to be able to process, okay, this is good. This is bad. This is good for you. This is bad for you. This could have massive negative consequences, so stay far from it. So just helping them with that. But like for my spouse, I'm thinking, okay, what's one thing I could do every day at chores just to really pray for her? So I love that. So pray for your spouse. Date with consistency. Sometimes some seasons for us, it just doesn't happen once a week. It doesn't even happen once a month. But find a time. It could be with other couples If you can do it alone, just the two of you, that's typically always great because you really engage into a conversation, but spend quality time together. Then, like we talked about before, something that I want to finish with in this conversation today, set a weekly agreed upon time when you allow your spouse who might be holding on to the unresolved offenses and anger to vent. Give them the space. Give them the freedom to be able to do that. Because many married couples rarely give each other the freedom to voice frustrations. And that is so unhealthy. That is only going to cause division in your marriage, not a strengthening in this oneness of partnership. It's a set time. Could be up to one hour every week. When one spouse is allowed to vent his or her pain without the fear of being shut down. 
It's hard, but it's so important. This means that the other spouse agrees, listen to this, not to argue, defend themselves, or tune out. I would encourage you to turn off that television, turn off your phone, to really be present in this moment. And the other spouse must agree to give his or her undivided attention to this venting time when the other spouse is venting. Because when you agree to listen, the spouse who is venting also agrees not to bring up these issues during the week, unless something obviously is time-sensitive and needs to be brought up. Before long, that one hour may turn into 30 minutes or even 15 minutes. A lot of times I've found that time decreases. Then there might be a time where it's not even needed at all. But create a rhythm and a habit of doing this because we cannot and we should not hold on to those offenses. As nasty as my gross finger is today, we will continue to grow and fester so much of these harbored offenses that get more and more toxic that leads to bitterness, that leads to anger, that leads to really rejection, that leads to lack of intimacy, I encourage you, address it. Do it with love, do it with grace, but address it. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Messy Marriages. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Messy Marriages, a show dedicated to making the most out of your mistakes. Mark would love to send you his weekly Marriage Monday video. Please go to marklucasradio.com and sign up for his weekly marriage video. Follow him at Mark Lucas Radio on Instagram.